Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Tolkien. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chartreuse. I mean, Chase. <laughs> All right. So today is our first episode for The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, which is, at least right now, book three and eventually will become book four of The Lord of the Rings story. So as always, we are going to do Today in Middle Earth. Then a quick recap of what we've read so far and on to what we are reading for this week. Uh, slight adjustment. At the end of the previous episode, we told you we were only going to read episode, I mean, chapter one of this, but we ended up reading chapter two as well. So if you are reading along with us um, and have not yet read chapter two, please do pause the podcast and catch up. I say catch up like you're behind, but it's our fault. So <laughs> sorry about that. However, I will say, oh, and of course, at the end, we always say our favorite things, but I will say that before we launch into our regularly scheduled content, I do have uh, an exciting little anecdote to share. So I had a friend in town this week, and of course, when a friend in town, parentheses, Chase's girlfriend, <laughs> close parentheses, uh, is visiting you, you go out of your way to do special things. So I got us tickets to see The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and was lucky enough to get a chance to ask Stephen Colbert a question. Now, unfortunately, I was not able to record this question as they did insist that we have our phones turned off by this point. But as, as most people listening to this podcast probably know, Stephen Colbert is an absolute massive Tolkien maniac, totally obsessed, 100% Deeper into the lore than any of us, I would safely say. So the question that I asked him was, who is Tom Bombadil? <laughs> and he was like so excited to get this question. Because this was um, like this was Q&A in the entire like auditorium, um, like the entire theater where they tape. There are 400 people in the audience. He called me like I just was like eager enough that he called me and I was Yay. like, who is Tom Bombadil? <laughs> and he immediately launched into his his spiel. And I, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember it perfectly, but he basically said that he thinks that Tom Bombadil is um, I R because he says, you know, like I, I was first, I came first. Mm -hmm. And so he, his theory is that, and while he was explaining this, he was also explaining to the entire audience. He was like, you know, Tom Bombadil is a character in the Lord yeah. of the Rings who wasn't in the movies. And then he was like drawing in references. And you're like, oh, and if you read the Ainu Lindale where Luvatar says, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like he was really pulling at all of these things just without even having to think about it. Um, so, yeah, he basically says that he thinks that in the first strains of creation, you know, when when Luvatar was first having the Valar sing the world into existence. He thinks that that's when, when Tom Bombadil was created as kind of the first of the Maiar, but also like the first living being inhabiting the earth. Yeah, that's a pretty popular theory and one that I like quite a bit. And I think there's a, a lot to suggest in the text that uh, Tom Bombadil is, could be one of the Maiar. So I, that's, that's really cool to, to hear that theory out of Colbert's mouth. <laughs> it's I will say the person behind me was like, what was that Tolkien <laughs> question about? And I was like, don't make fun of it because you're here to see Colbert and you saw how excited Colbert was. But this person then also like cheered enthusiastically at every mention of Donald Trump. So <laughs> this is a group. This is a, you said this is a crowd of 400. Yeah, oh. there's always going to be one. No, I'm just saying so, one in every 400. <laughs> well, and the thing, also the thing I like about this theory is that if Tom Bombadil then was sung into existence right at the very beginning, that would kind of imply that he was sung into existence before Melkor started singing his like alternate strains, which means that that Tom Bombadil would kind of predate original evil. And I, I feel like that's kind of a reason why he would be totally immune to the effects of the ring. Right. That's a much better and well thought out theory than him being like a Luvatar or something like that. I mean, yeah. So, it, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just. Gonna... I was just gonna. <laughs> oh my God! Do I need to speak for you both? <laughs> no, this is why. This is why. Some, sometimes John and I get on this like weird telepathic uh, level. But anyway, uh, you know, I forgot what I was going to say. Now, <laughs> I was going to say that if you are Stephen Colbert listening to this, or you know, or have any connections to Stephen Colbert, please put us in touch because I would love to do a real like actual podcast to actually talk you. yeah that would be that would be so cool we watched the rankin bass animated movies with <laughs> oh my god we, this needs to happen we need to like launch a kickstarter like help us hire stephen colbert 
All right. Anyway, I think that's enough of that. Uh, so if you want to take it away, Katie, today in Middle Earth yes. is Thursday, January 14th. Today in Middle Earth, January 14th. So at, at this time, the company are currently traveling through Moria. And I, I do want to talk about a specific event, though, that actually occurs tomorrow on the 15th. Uh, tomorrow they come to the bridge of Khazad-dum. And thus, consequently, as we all know, this is the fall of Gandalf. So that happens tomorrow. The rest of the company then escapes Moria and moves on to Lothlorien. But today, actually, they're kind of right in the middle. Uh, uh, they have come to that chamber and are like waiting the night. Awesome. So my favorite part from all of the Fellowship of the Ring happened tonight. Is that correct? Because this is when they came into Moria, and I, I liked that bit. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you, Sorry. You give me this look I, like well, I had like a toad coming out of my face. Well, for, for a moment, I was like, what are you referring to? Are you referring to the Bridge of Cause of Doom? Because in that no, case, I'm going to have to punch no, you. No, no. <laughs> I meant because that's on the 15th. Yeah, that's never mind. On the 14th was when they go into the big chamber, and I loved that bit. So, All right. Well, Chase, do you want to take it away with what happened? In this case, not last week, but two weeks ago in our radio. Oh, okay, good. I thought you were to say, I want you to summarize the what we've done in the past, all of it. And I'm like, oh, no. Starting with the Ainulin delay, oh, no. I want you to summarize everything we've done. That would read. take entirely too long. Oh, no. Uh, I have to break up. That would take a podcast with maybe like 46 episodes. Yeah, it would. Um, Actually, I think we have more than that. Now. Basically, they had to come to a decision about where they needed to go, what side of the river they needed to, to be on, because either they were going to go to Gondor, or they were going to go to, um, I mean, to Minas Tirith, or they were going to go to Mordor first. But what ended up happening was Boromir, where Frodo went off by himself, Boromir got all greasy and sweaty and <laughs> souped up. Kind of went nutso. Kind of went crazy on uh, Frodo, and Frodo ended up running away. Which in deciding that he needed to just go off on his own to Mordor. However, Sam, being Sam, followed him, and they ended up going together to the other side of the of the river. Uh, other side of the river, right? And they're on their way to Mordor. And there was kind of mass chaos too that broke out when Boromir came back. So currently, like the entire fellowship is kind of scattered too because yeah. they're all searching for Frodo. Basically, yep. Yeah, and re- recall also that Frodo like sat on that seeing chair. Yep, at Amonhead. Oh, yes, that's right, because that's an important reference that comes up in the first chapter of Two Towers. And this is also the first time we actually get a reference to the um, the Eye of Sauron. This is the first time Frodo sees it. Right. So, fun fact about the Two Towers, just before we jump in... Uh, the, the title, The Two Towers, and this is something that often happens in, in the line of production as well. The title of The Two Towers is sort of just a product of having to come up with a title for this <laughs> second volume of, of, of the novel, right, uh, before the publishing deadline. And Tolkien was not entirely happy with it. Um, and another fun fact, so there are several possible sets of towers that could actually have been referred to, of course. You know, we could choose from Minas Tirith, Barad-dur, Kareth Ungal, Orthanc, Minas Morgul, the Hornburg. Uh, but actually, Tolkien kind of decided on Orthanc and Minas Morgul, which we can argue are two of, are really the two that are focused on the most here. Um, and even made a final cover illustration, which also was not used in the publication, <laughs> uh, mostly due to money constraints so there's a fun fact about publication of this book as somebody else who who likes to write and has trouble coming up with um titles i totally get with i i yeah i i like that <laughs> i just like i have to name it something <laughs> two towers <laughs> all right so chapter one the departure of boromir so you know, where we last left off, again, like we said, the company is kind of scattered, and we rejoin now Aragorn, who is just hauling up the hill, trying to track Frodo. Oh, this is, so, this is, like, right after, I didn't put it together, but this is right after, like, Sam must have, like... This jumps right in, like, yeah. Been, like, I can't go any further, I'm going back. The two towers, I mean, basically, as we should be, we're in media's race, so we're jumping straight into the action. Um, and we, we will also see in the two towers, um, I mean, it becomes very clear very soon that the structure kind of changes, and we'll see what 
we kind of focus on in, in this first book and in the second book. But anyway, here we are with Aragorn trying to t- track Frodo and he's having some difficulty and he hears orcs. And the Horn of Boromir. Right, and the Horn of Boromir. So he knows now some something's happening. Boromir's in trouble. So now he sets off back down the hill, down the path. Hold on. We already missed something, which we already alluded to like two minutes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, okay. He, he wanted to sit on the seat of seeing. Right, at Alan Head. But when he did, he all he saw was that the sun seemed darkened and the world dim and remote. He turned from nor- north back again to north and saw nothing, save the distant hills. Unless it were that far away he could see again a great bird like an eagle high in the air, descending slowly in wide circles down towards the earth. Right. So he was just where Frodo just was. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, now at this point he hears the orcs and he hears the horn and he sets off running again. And at this point, he also realizes that he's lost Sam, <laughs> because remember he had he had told Sam to come with him. Yes. Um, doesn't know where 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 Sam is, but anyway, he f- follows the sound, and I love this. He's like brandishing his sword and yelling Elendil, <laughs> and like crashing through the brush. Um, I I I love it when Aragorn. I I love when Aragorn cries Elendil and crashes through the brush anytime. It's great. Um. <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't actually get. To, he doesn't really fight anything in this chapter, though. He's just kind of no, running. He's well. He, it's it's urgency, right? It's urgency. Yeah. Yeah. So he eventually does. He finds Boromir. Now he's come back near to Parthgallon, where they had been, where the the company had stayed and and camped, and he finds Boromir, and he's sitting against a tree, and he is just riddled riddled with with arrows, with arrows and his honestly. Two sad things happen for me right here. Not only is he filled with arrows, but his horn is busted. Yes. Yeah. His horn and his sword. Like, his, his sword's busted, but whatever. But his horn's busted. That made me really sad for some reason. Yeah. It, well, it, it's it's a perfect... I mean, you know, anytime that someone's weapon is, is destroyed, you know, it's a clear sign of their completely incapacitated, right? And the the horn too is kind of this great symbol of his strength as a captain of Gondor, right? Um, and again, like he he would wanted always wanted to blow the horn to kind of signal that he was he he's ready. You know, he's a he's a great burly burly dude. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, the the horn is broken in two, and there's just a slew of orc corpses at his feet too. Yeah, so, to the point of like like almost like piled up, like right. They're just everywhere. He, so he, you know, he didn't go down without a fight. And I like how in this moment, like like Aragorn comes up to him and starts like, and he's just like, he doesn't say a whole lot, but he basically something that stood out to me was he said that, I mean, one, he said that the that the hobbits were taken by. Uh, orcs, right, and that he thinks he's failed. Yeah, like he has commented that he has failed, and Aragorn very wisely has told him, "No, you have conquered. Right. You have done well." As I can see by the just like just destruction around you that you have caused, you apparently fought very gallantly. Well, and he also Boromir at this time tells Aragorn, he says, "I tried to take the ring from Frodo." Which in reality is probably what he meant by failed. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And he, that he says he's sorry, and now this, you know, he's he's paid for it. He's paid the ultimate price now. And so, yeah, Aragorn kind of comforts him at this time, and like you said, tells him, "No, you you you've conquered. You've done, you've, well. You've done well." And swears to him that he will not, will not let Minas Tirith fall, which of course was Boromir's greatest concern. Um, and he asks which way the hobbits went, and was Frodo with them? And no answer. But, yeah, no. But answer. unfortunately, no yeah, Boromir has already died. And then it's it's basically at this moment that Legolas and Gimli appear. They have kind of been stalking through the woods as if they're hunting, so coming very quietly, and they appear. And Aragorn also. It's it's important to note. So right. At this moment, now Aragorn kind of has this huge feeling of failure too, and he considers himself 
to have failed Gandalf. And so now he's even more conflicted, too, between Minas Tirith and, Gaunt, and, um, and Mordor. Um, he wants to, you know, he feels that he has this kind of debt now to Boromir, but again, still feels that he should lead the ring bearer. Um, and Aragorn, even, he even says that, he says, all that I have done today has gone amiss. What is to be done now? And they're kind of all lamenting and Aragorn is feeling very hopeless. So Aragorn kind of catches them up and says, Boromir says that they took the hobbits, but I don't know if he meant Miri and Pippin, who I sent him to follow, or if Sam and Frodo were also there. But first, we can't just leave his body here, so we have to do something. And they decide, rather than trying to dig a grave or build a cairn, they're going to place him in the boat and kind of arrange his weapons around him and the weapons of those he's vanquished. Uh, And when they're picking up for this process, they find the two daggers that Merry and Pippin had gotten from the uh, the Barrowdowns. Noting that these daggers were made by the men of Westerness specifically to thwart the uh, the evils of Mordor. And so they... I'm sorry? Oh, and just that uh, Aragorn says he's going to keep them in hopes that one day he will return them. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so they bring him down and note that one of the boats is missing and that one of the Two of the packs are missing, and one of them is like the heavy pack that Sam liked to carry. So they quickly deduce that Frodo and Sam have set off on their own. They put Poromir into a boat, and they send him over the falls, where legend says that his body is carried all the way to the, the to the sea. And then they decide, do we cross the river and try to find Frodo? Fro- bleh, find Frodo? Or do we stalk the orcs and try and help Mary and Pippin. We also note at this time, so while they had been gathering the weapons of these orcs to lay at Boromir's feet for his burial, they noticed that some of these orcs were different than others, and Aragorn did not recognize some of them, and they have strange weapons and this insignia of a white hand on their uh, on their shields and on their helms, and uh, also a, a, a rune for S. And so Gimli wonders, S for Sauron, and Legolas says, well, no, because Sauron doesn't use elf runes, and Aragorn says, also, he doesn't use his name. Yeah. It, his insignia is the red eye, right? That was such a cool little detail that I... Th- all right, already off the bat, I'm starting to get a different... Yes, this is all the same book. Uh-huh. I'm already getting a different tone in this one than in uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, primarily because also the perspective has... We've had a perspective shift, yep. too, which is different because this is probably the first time in the entire book series, or in the entire book, where we have switched to Aragorn's perspective. Yeah, to the most part, ex- and not following Frodo because right. the events of the the final chapter of the Fellowship of the Ring are, I feel like, still happening at the same time as this chapter, just you know, on the other side of the river. Where so, what I was getting at was. That's just a nice bit. <laughs> and well, what you picked up on basically is kind of what you're going to see throughout this entire book. But um, but yeah, so basically Aragorn kind of deduces that this is S for Saruman and there is great evil at Isengard um, and basically the West is no longer safe. Um, so yeah, they send Boromir down the river, um, sing him kind of a nice funeral song that and that sort of mentions the the winds asking about Boromir and uh you know he hasn't come here anymore and it's it's a really just nice kind of lament for Boromir I'm gonna say something controversial I think it might be controversial it might be controversial if I was more on the talk talking fan base <laughs> this is my favorite and I think the best song so far and I am including The Hobbit and The Misty Mountains, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. This was my favorite. This was the song I sat and like read over because I liked it so much. It what? just it just came off better. I don't I can't explain it. Like it was like top notch. It just it hit me better. That's I don't know. I don't the know great thing is. about songs and poetry, I think, is that it, for some reason something maybe unexplainably speaks to you but more than others. Like the elf songs and stuff like that, I just 
and I kind of felt like a lot of the elf songs were meant to be like beautiful, but like whatever in a way, like, you know, like, oh yeah, okay, all right, weirdos. And then, but this is like something about this song like really stuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they come back to the shore now and basically are back to the point where they had originally had the boats and where actually Frodo as we know, just not too long ago, left. And Aragorn kind of begins tracking him and does conclude that, yeah, there was a hobbit here. It could have only been Frodo pushed this boat um, out and has taken it. And then they also note that there are packs gone. This must have been Sam's. So they conclude, yeah, okay, Frodo has gone and, and Sam with well, him. Well, and also that, you know, Aragorn says something great right here, which was, I was char... I would follow, I was charged with following Frodo to Mordor at any cost. However, Mm -hmm. in the situation, he's just going to have to go off on his own with Sam, and we're going to have to go and save these two other hobbits Mm -hmm. from torment and death. I also really like that that he comments that Sam was right. He says, Sam said this would happen, and he he was right, too. (laughs) There's a sense of nobility to Aragorn that Mm -hmm. I think comes through in this especially in this section of reading more than anything prior like it feels like what we got from him in the last book was this is some ranger dude who <laughs> happens to have greatness in his veins this is like and we oh, see glim- glimpses of it here glimpses. and there yeah this time it's like i think this guy has finally like taken on his noble role in a way like like all right everything's bad the west can't be trusted I'm, we're going <laughs> well yep yeah well and it's he, he, you know, he, he very consciously says, let's help those who cannot help themselves. Right. He says, you know, we, you know, I, I want, I, my heart tells me to, to help Frodo, but this, at the same time, we can't abandon our companions. So they will follow the orcs and try to help Merry and Pippin. Um, I, I also like, there's, there's a moment when they're kind of just beginning on to get on the trail of the orcs and Legolas makes this comment that they trample over living things right um which you know as if is a huge contrast to all of the things that we hold so dear like nice growing things uh and they're almost like this like weird pestilence in yeah. a way like they're 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 kind of like mulching up anything in their way like it's mm. like if i could add any imagery to what the orc swarm looked like to me in my brain when i was reading the section it was like this weird acrid cloud that anything it touched would like die and this doesn't help that i've been reading a lot of lovecraft or at least <laughs> it seems like something that would be they sully so, everything very quickly on the path of the orcs they note that legolas says we've already caught up with some of them and there's like a pile of dead orcs and they kind of deduce that it's because of the two different factions of orcs, you know, the Sauron's orcs and the possibly Sauron's orcs that they haven't seen before were probably fighting. And this is, you know, they killed each other, basically. At this point, by the way, orcs. we are on to chapter two, the Riders of Rohan. Yes. Um, yeah. So they're tracking the orcs and, you know, Aragorn... I, there's this moment where Aragorn looks back south and kind of sees Gondor and the light off in the distance, and then once again has to like turn away yep. and continue on <laughs> this this track that they've chosen. Um, and again, so I, I, I like this. There's a point where Legolas kind of sees an eagle off in the distance, um, mirroring what Second. Aragorn had seen um, the day or. Nope, that same day. Yeah, still. yeah, it's the same uh, day. It would be the same day yeah. at, at Amonhen, right? Um, and then he sees off, way off in the distance, a huge company on foot on the plain, and this, of course, will be the orcs. And man, Legolas and his like they've got good eyes because they make a good point of that. Aragorn and Gimli could not even yeah, like could they not see, even see this at all. They like, see kind of like a blur, maybe, uh, but and uh, Legolas can actually. See. But the point being is, see leagues away. They, these things, they're going to be trailing these guys for a while. For a and while, mm-hmm. they get into a kind of a bit, a bit of a debate about whether or not they should even rest because they go like two solid days 
Well, first... He's straight up running, right? Right before this moment, though, yeah, so... Aragorn actually picks up hobbit footprints. Oh, that's right. Yep. And determines that they're Pippins because he was smaller and lighter, which again shows you like the detail to which Aragorn's kind of ranger um, uh, skills. skills. Yeah. <laughs> Pay the bills. <laughs> and he also finds a brooch. Uh, from the cloaks that they had been given in Lorien. And this is, I, I don't know, to me, a very iconic line says, not idly did the leaves of Lorien fall. And so clearly this was a sign. And, you know, at least at this time he was alive and was and is leaving a Red sign clones. to tell us. Yeah. That's a, I, I really liked that line. Right? <laughs> a, something about that. It's almost like it was, it was one of those, like, like, phrases that comes across in the ship i feel like that's a phrase that's been uttered before mm-hmm. by other characters and he's almost using it jokingly <laughs> in a way of like of like you know this doesn't happen back in Lorian. i don't know it just seems like that's a turn of phrase that somebody will say in other places but it's being used here as like almost like i can see him with like a smirk on his face we're, saying that uh, we're not told at this uh, 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 with with this line as we have been previously where oh yeah and this is a saying now but yeah I, I kind of get what you mean there that this could almost be like a like this is something that people say I don't know but anyway um, so yeah now they're deciding should we rest should we continue on we don't want to get too far behind them because they're already you know leagues away um, but Gimli can't go any longer and then there's also this the question of like Orcs regularly don't come out in the daytime. Mm-hmm. However, these right. sets of orcs have, and they've done stuff in the daytime already. So that means they probably are not affected by night either. So they probably aren't going to stop at all. Well, and, and so that becomes a big point of debate, right? And Legolas also says, you know, they he says their course has been pretty much due straight ahead. Yeah. Um. They're but, not gonna, basically, they're not going to lose the trail. Right. They just might not be able to catch up with them. But there's also a concern of, you know, if we keep on going at night, we might not be able to see if there are footprints leading away from the trail. So anyway, they do decide they will rest and it's dark. And there's kind of a, a moment where Gimli wishes that Galadriel had given them light the way that she had given to Frodo and I I kind of really like Aragorn's response to that that yeah but Frodo really needs it more than we do yeah yeah there's this there's this air of we're not the important ones here and this 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 mission is important but not nearly as important as whatever Frodo's as bad of a situation as we are in it's nothing compared to 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 where Frodo is right now um and so basically they sleep Next day, they spend the whole day running, and then they decide to sleep again. Right. Uh, and then they have the the next day that they have a, it's a red dawn and Legolas, and we we get nice little details too about the the different way that each of them kind of rests, um, especially with Legolas not even seeming to sleep, um, because again, sleep and night kind of affects elves differently. And elves have a different kind of way of resting where where we're told that he has this kind of like waking relation with dream state, you know, Mm -hmm. which is he's like he's like lying there with his eyes open, you know, (laughs) just it's just a a nice little detail. Um, And so at this point, this red dawn has come, which seems to kind of signal some something strange that's going to await us at the eaves of the forest legolas says and now at this point the orcs are like a day and a half ahead of them um and they're still leagues away from fangorn forest too and now like uh, aragorn sees another kind of blur in the distance and legolas is like that's not a blur that's 105 horsemen <laughs> <laughs> right they have they have like blonde hair and this is one of my favorite parts of of this kind of uh, whole bit here because we, we get this introduction to the Rohirrim, which is really awesome. <laughs> uh, like the we see the glint of morning on the tips of their spears, and you know, like we have this just nice little bit of text about the their how 
swift and mighty their horses are and the riders are all tall and and blonde and great yeah um especially their leader who is very tall and but they decide to just wait there for them right because they're like well yeah well and it says that um there are three horses without riders Mm -hmm. and so under their lorian cloaks they kind of wait until the lion passes right by them and then aragorn is like springs up and he's like what is it what news from the riders of roman And then they're like, whoa. And very quickly they like spring around and form and they're all for, make for formation around them. And they're all kind of, they circle them and their spears are in and their bows and everything. And that was a beautiful description. Then, yeah. Shut up. But there's, there's, there's this like air too, where they're like, now that comes up later where it was like, we might as well stop them because they're coming back. They're coming from where the orcs were heading so we might as well talk with them because they're going to have more information. Right. Than, they're, and, yeah, they're, they're hoping to get news from them. Yeah, it's going to be a good point to to actually stop and talk with them more than anything. Right. So, yeah, their leader kind of rides forward and asks them what, what they're doing here. And Aragorn responds and says that they're hunting orcs. And then kind of right off the bat, this leader who has come forward basically calls them stupid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And says, well, if you're looking for orcs, you would have been killed because there were hundreds of them. Um, Also, you're wearing very strange clothes. (laughs) Where do you come from? And they mention Galadriel. And instantly this leader is kind of very distrustful of Galadriel Mm -hmm. and kind of says that she's this kind of, you know, witch sorceress, right? And has and is calls them net weavers. Um, You know, there's strange kind of weird magic in Lori and they don't trust it and you know kind of demands of Gimli and Legolas who had been quiet up to this point why are you two silent and Gimli of course immediately takes offense to this and demands to know this person's name and so the the leader kind of consents and this is Eomer who is a marshal of the Rittermark and so now Gimli kind of defends the lady Galadriel yep. and insults Aomer, uh, which of course responds in Aomer threatening to cut off his head. <laughs> if it was just a little higher off the ground. Right. So things are, of course, not getting off to a great start here. Um, we're insulting each other one way and another and uh, don't have any understanding of either party either way. So it's great. Because for one... We, up to this point, have been told Rohan is not... Right. They are, they are not evil, but they might be... They're not very trustworthy right now because of the treatment of Gandalf. Wait, well, we... Basically, Gandalf came through and like said, Hey, watch out for Rohan, because things are kind of weird there right now, because of Sauron was trying to make deals with them. Well, we had been worried since... A while back, uh, you remember when when we tried to go over the Pass of Caradhras, and you know there had been a mention of maybe we should go by Rohan. Yeah, and no, well, maybe Rohan might not be safe. So of course, yeah, we're we're a bit wary, but at the same time, the riders are also wary. Um, and basically, yeah, things are almost going to come to to blows, and Aragorn kind of jumps in to keep the peace. Yo, I am noble now. <laughs> And, and says his like full name and and like makes this big spiel about where he's from and who he is and they're like whoa right he has this another <laughs> one of these kind of huge Aragorn moments right where he kind of looks very kingly and even Legolas and Gimli kind of look and wonder at their friend and Legolas even there's this great line <laughs> where Legolas kind of sees um this uh white flame flickering on his brow and you know again he looks very kingly um almost as if he's his brow is shining like a crown and so this name the response we get from Eomer after hearing this name is he says you know this is the stuff of legends and dreams right was weird weird things are going on right this is we got dark lords over there. We got like ancient kings coming up here. We got elves. We got dwar- what is going on? I feel like I'm in a fantasy book or something. <laughs> well, and Aomer also 
you know, where they, they pretty much straight up ask, um, are you in league with Sauron? We've heard that you pay tribute to Mordor. And Amor says, no, no, we've never. No, no, no. 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 But we, we, we serve no man. We are, you know, sovereign. We don't want to fight in any war either way. To which, of course, Aragorn, Aragorn replies, well, I got bad news for you because war is coming whether you like it or not. Um, and they ask again about about the orcs. He says, well, I don't want to get into that right now. I We, we want to hear about these orcs that we've been been, been Chasing down. And they, I mean, they say that this is like we met them at the edge of the forest and we left nothing alive. Yeah. We left no one alive and we didn't see any hobbits. However, we have learned that hobbits are very like I can't think of this throughout the way like like they're talking about like when 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 he mentions hobbits and starts talking about them. What's his name again? I have the well, trouble with his name. Kind of a second rider comes forward and his and his name is Aethane. Aethane. But yeah, yeah. so uh, they they ask. Doesn't Aeo mean horse? Yeah. yeah. Um. Sorry, I got thrown off. lose track of you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Eomer tells them that the orcs were all destroyed, yeah. and then they ask about, were there little people with them? And they say, well, no, we didn't find any children or dwarves. And Gimli says these were not children or dwarves. They were halflings. And Eothane, at this point, kind of pipes up and says, halflings, those are, you know, children's tales, fairy tales. They're not, they're, you know, that's, again, the stuff of legend and dreams, right? Um, and it's- they they ask for more information and it's yeah it's this kind of a, another great moment where we have this sort of isolated bit of the world where again we we don't even know that some other part of this world actually exists right yeah yeah and it's also again like i had this like moment when i was thinking there it's like well hobbits can kind of one of their little quote unquote magic you know is that they're kind of able to go unseen just not seen. and then you got people who don't even know of their existence period like they can easily get past them so it's like this i feel like the thought process that i'm thinking right now is kind of what's also going through aragorn and legolas and gimli is like well trust me you dudes almost missed us and they're dressed just like us so you might want to yeah. rethink about this concept that you killed everything out there <laughs> um so at this point, they kind of decide, okay, we will give you horses and you can go on and look yourself. And Aethane is like, excuse me, we're giving horses not just to this non-Rohirrim man, but to an elf and a dwarf. <laughs> and Gimli is like, oh, trust me, I don't want to, I don't want a, a horse. But they only consented to this, remember, actually, after Aomer asked for more information and Aragorn basically told them exactly what they've been yeah, up to. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. And um, so these are the three horses that the riders had, had been killed. So they take it and they ride along and they find a great burning mound and they stop there. And they're, and they're having this bit of like self-doubt. They're having this bit of doubt too about like whether or not the hobbits are just going to be intermingled with like the bones of the hobbits are going to be intermingled with the bones of the orcs and kind of deflated when it feels like they're, they're like oh yeah they could probably totally get past the Rohirrim in this situation but then they get there and they're kind of like well I don't know <laughs> you know they all seem very sad when they get well there. again yeah they, they come to this this remains which you know as was their custom the Rohirrim had basically slaughtered all of these orcs and then burned them and Aragorn kind of again does his thing where he's you know going up up and down this trail and kind of trying to find if there were any signs of hobbits around and still finds no sign of Merry and Pippin. And yeah, so very defeated, they decide they're going to camp there for the night. And uh, again, remember, so they're at the edge of Fangorn Forest, yep. basically. And remember that Celeborn had warned them not to go into that forest. Yes, very much so. It's very old and it's very dangerous, right? And we're actually told, too, so Legolas says that this forest and that the forest um, in, the Shire. in the Shire by the Barrow Downs are remnants of the Elder Days, according to Elrond. So this is where the elves were kind of wandering around 
while the men were still sleeping even in in the elder days right so that's the scope of how ancient and perilous this all is right well and also they 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 set up camp and they're they're talking and like there's a note of the trees are moving oddly right like they're moving i i can't i i didn't quite get exactly what was going on in that scene but there's like the scene where they were like talking about like it was like a trick of their eye or something but the trees were doing something but they couldn't tell if they were dreaming it or they were actually seeing that well when they when they they build a fire right and they're aragorn's like don't cut any living thing out of this forest at all um because especially if we have to go in there which we probably will uh the forest would not treat us kindly so yeah yeah, and then there's this moment they so they built this fire and it seems almost yeah there is a moment where it seems almost as if like the the branches of these trees are like leaning over this area kind of yeah Yeah, it's it's very it it was weird it's very odd Again, I keep having these weird parallels to what I'm currently reading in my personal life com- to reading this book because I just read a short story by Lovecraft that also had a similar description mm-hmm. about trees that were moving in a way that was against the wind, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just weird like how that all synced up in that moment. <laughs> so they decide to take the night in watches. G- Gimli goes first. Gimli has the first watch and then looks up and sees something which Eomer had alluded to before. Uh, he had earlier talked about there's an old man that wanders about, hooded and cloaked, right? And they say he brings evil. And um, and their thoughts instantly are Saruman. Mm-hmm. Boom, Saruman. However, this... They, they see an old... This guy has a hat, not a hood. They see an old dude wearing a hat instead of a hood wandering around this area outside of the of the forest Mm -hmm. so it's so yeah Gimli kind of jumps up and startles the others and they wake and jump up and instantly the old man vanishes and then there's no sign of him but of course at the same time now the horses have gone um so now they're horseless uh which Gimli you know immediately is says he thinks this was Saruman again because of what Eomer had said and believes that there's more trouble coming for them now and and now they're horseless and Legolas kind of makes a joke too about that that well you know look at you turned around so quickly (laughs) (laughs) before you didn't want horses um so they they continue to take the, the the night in watches and basically nothing else happens um but the horses didn't return so yes. now they're even farther away uh, from the Rohirrim, of course, because they had split ways earlier, and they're back on foot. Yep. And that's pretty much yeah, where that's, the, that was it. Yeah, where this. Was, yeah, I, it was actually surprising. Sorry, I haven't been like too talkative today. As you can hear, my throat is a little scratchy. <laughs> uh. So run right off the bat, a lot of things are different mm-hmm. compared to what we've previously written. We have a perspective shift. We have um, Aragorn being more noble. There's even like odd differences in some of the language. The we're dealing with people that are not connected with this stuff. Uh, like the people, the, the these these people from Rohan seem very interesting because of how they are the first people we've kind of interacted with since Bree. I want to say that kind of have no idea what's going or have an inkling. That something's going on, but not necessarily grasping it, or that Ro- the people of Rohan seem to be more concerned with their present, cons- like their present situation, than what's going on in the world. Well, yeah, and, and noticing these things on the outskirts. Throughout that conversation with Aemir, we kind of get um, a, a lot of information about where they stand right now, including you know that well, Gandalf is not welcome here because. Um, he's fallen out of favor with the king. Um, Took our lord of horses. Yeah. uh, Saruman is causing trouble here. And we're we're just trying, like, the the Rohirrim kind of, you know, again, Aramir says, we serve no one. We don't want to fight in any war. We're we're just trying to protect our, our people. 
Um, so it kind of sets up f- for what what we might have in the future with interaction with yeah. with with Rohan. Because again, yeah. So fine, you know, with with this kind of great greatness that Aragorn come comes in and re- revealing his name, and again, kind of the mention of Boromir because. Aramir had mentioned, yeah, we, we know Boromir. He used to come here and we respect him and he was a great man. It's a pity that he has fallen. Okay, I'll give you these horses to help you, but you need to bring them back and you need to come talk to the king. Um, and they already just, the horses ran off. So that's that's one half of what they've done, <laughs> you know? So there we go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, any favorite moments? Hmm. Mine is at the very end when they're, at Vengorn, they're talking about how it seems like some of the trees are like embracing the fire and kind of like holding their leaves out, like as if to warm up, like you'd hold your hands out. Yeah. That's just a great bit with like how it's just adding to how weird this forest is. I think, and there, there were a lot of really great moments in the text that I've kind of already mentioned. Um, but I think one of my favorite parts from, from this part was, you know, and near the very beginning of this reading, when Legolas kind of says, well, first we need to properly take care of Boromir. And there's this great importance on honoring the fallen and caring for your the dead and giving him a proper burial. I am so surprised by that because I assumed you would have taken the part where the, the writers of Rohan show up. Well, that was... That scene was pretty awesome, and I was just, like, reading it going, this is going to be Katie's favorite that, part. <laughs> that, that, uh, truthfully, that is, but since I had already talked about it, I wanted to, oh, ta- I wanted yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, 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 no, totally. The, ride, the writers of Rohan are so badass, and, again, I, I really love how that uh, that whole bit, um, that whole bit of text where they were, you know, riding in, and, oh, God, love it, yeah. But I, but no, I wanted to make a special mention of that properly caring for the fallen. Fine enough. My my favorite part was right after that, uh, or where they're singing to Boromir's body going over the river. That again, not only was that my favorite song so far in all of the reading we've done, but it was like the first one to really stick out to me. So that is definitely my favorite. It just was a really, it was a very noisy song. Like I could like really hear it in my head mm-hmm. when I was reading, which is not. Something that regularly occurs when I was reading the previous songs. <sighs> Any recommendations to check out beyond the book? I have a surprising one, but you you all go ahead first <laughs> if you want. Um, I don't really have like a recommendation or anything for this week, but I do have uh like just a little favorite thing from the world this week and actually it was this morning as i was driving over here um so it it was 15 degrees this morning and there were so yesterday it was very wet here and there but there was kind of a wintry mix falling down we had you know the giant huge snowflakes happening but of course it lasted for like 15 minutes and nothing stuck so this morning as i was driving over here it was like 15 degrees and we had the little tiny baby snowflakes falling yeah, and so I could see them on my windshield, oh, and you know yeah. how you can see like the individual shape of the snowflake. I love, I yeah. just love that, and it was very pretty. So there <laughs> recommendation, <we go. laughs> snow. Recommendation: look at snowflakes because they're cool <laughs> if you get the chance. And this was the first snow that we've had pretty much. This mine winter. is probably, mine is probably the least original recommendation to have right now. But I just saw Hamilton on Broadway, so if you have not yet listened to it do so I'm super jealous. are you and, reconstructed on a molecular level and if you have the opportunity to see it do so are you just completely rebirthed reborn now you know <laughs> everyone's asking me what i think because the hype is so big and i don't really know what to tell them other than buy the hype <laughs> oh okay and someone someone like got offended when i said that i was like no i'm saying it's as good as everyone says and there's nothing new i can add to the conversation every once in a while there's a great convergence of audience and critics mm-hmm. that happens the last time I remember anything being hitting that hard was like toy story 3 i was gonna say gravity because i remember gravity had like this like hardcore audience response and hardcore critical response no mm-hmm. mad max for your what am i saying yeah mad max that, Free Road was like that. no yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of have like two. One I'm just going to like briefly say and one I'm going to be saying just because it was surprising to me. <laughs> uh, I finally watched, uh, I'm a big Paul Greengrass fan, but I've managed to miss uh, his film Captain Phillips, 
So good. Which was the yeah, which was the uh, based on the true story of Captain Phillips being taken by a uh, Somalian pirates. That movie is amazing. Like that movie is so good, and I was so concerned with it. But the biggest thing I want to say is people watch the movie because it humanizes the pirates mm-hmm. beautifully. You don't feel you don't feel good watching that movie. <laughs> period. I was actually. Watching it, like I watched the first half of it, and then I had to stop watching it. So I was eating dinner, and then I had to stop watching it and record a podcast. And then I, I picked it up, and I was like, "Well, I need to hit my stationary bike and exercise a little bit, so I'll do it while I'm watching Capitals." I'm on my stationary bike with the last hour of that movie, crying, <laughs> like pedaling and crying, because the movie is so intense and it's so good. It's so good, and the last twenty minutes are just like you know how it ends, but you. It just it just ties you in a knot, and it uh, it's it's and Tom Hanks is just the the guys who play the pirates are amazing, and Tom Hanks gives just just phenomenal performance as just a dude who is just a regular dude caught up in a horrifying situation, and it is it, it, he perfectly displays someone in shock, like it is just incredible. So I highly recommend it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I am a very hoarse and crackly John. Uh, and thank you again to our Patreon supporters. Um, thank you again to our Patreon supporters for donating in, uh, to our our efforts in helping us to uh, fund and maintain our website and uh, invest in new equipment. Thank fund you. the fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Benjamin, John, Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, uh, Micah, and Jacob Verma. I'm trying my best to pronounce that right. <laughs> Every time I look at it. I'm, Seems yeah. to not mine. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And we'll see you next week. Oh, where we'll be reading chapter three. Of the two towers. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.